0: I have a theory about this virus, and, and I know everybody, everybody has a theory, and I know, I know you're sick of, of talking about it, but, but hear me out. My theory is that we're going to get to the end of all this, and most of us are going to have a list, um, hopefully harmless, hopefully things that we can laugh, laugh at eventually, uh, but a list of, of COVID-induced bad decisions uh, pandemic-fueled life choices, things, things that you would have never done in normal circumstances. But lock yourself away for two months and you find out what you're really capable of. In fact, why don't you take just a moment, even now, pause this and think about something you just did or are about to do and ask yourself, have I lost my mind? In fact, if you're watching with somebody, why don't you swap a couple of stories? Go ahead, I'll wait. See? Uh, I'm sure you had some, right? You, you thought of some. In fact, email me later if you think about it. I would love a good laugh. I mean, I could tell you about how our family, uh, we, one weekend, we drove 13 hours for takeout. I'm not exaggerating. It was delicious. But let me, let me tell you, the, the biggest sort of uh, COVID-induced foolishness, at least that I'm, I'm willing to share with you, uh, is thinking that I, I still knew how to mountain bike. A couple of weeks into this mess, I bought a, a cheap mountain bike here uh, to be able to have something else to do with the kids, like just anything to get us out of the house. But then I thought, well, now that I have it, right? I mean, who cares that it was more than 16 years since I've been on a mountain biking trail, and I wasn't even any good back then. And yes, I did recently turn 40. What's the worst that could happen? I had visions of myself zipping through the woods, hopping over streams. It's like riding a bike, right? Well, when I first showed up at that trail, I had such high hopes. Um, actually, what I had was naive optimism. Just COVID-induced idiocy. Because when I, when I hit the trail, uh, I hit it, literally. Uh, in fact, I've, I've still got scrapes and bruises. Can we get a close-up here? No? Um, okay. Okay. Uh, I mean, at one point I literally like tipped, just tipped over down a hill and and you would be impressed at how quickly I pedaled from foolish overconfidence to angry despair, which I've got to say feels a little bit like going on Facebook right now. or or turning on the news. And I know that's a a gross overgeneralization, but it feels like we have these two sort of polar extremes where where on the one side, it's sort of this this optimism that everything is going to go back to normal in no time. And on the other side, it's like the world is ending and it's all over. Like I have emotional whiplash and I don't think it's from the bike. But church, we we don't need naive, wishful thinking, nor should we ever despair. What we need is hope, which is why I love the Psalms. Turn with me to Psalm 126. Because the Psalms walk this line. They don't don't allow us to ignore our emotions with pie in the sky, nor do they ever allow us to, to wallow in despair like a pig in mud. Instead, they call us to hope. And in Psalm 126, we see three powerful images of hope, which is why I love the video that we just watched for our our scripture reading, sort of setting this up. It's it's beautiful. And my my goal as we look at this final Psalm together is yes, that we would all walk away with a little bit more hope, but also with the tools to sustain this hope in the weeks ahead. So let let me read the first half of it again for us. The psalmist writes, When the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dream. Then our mouth was filled with laughter and our tongue with shouts of joy. Then they said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us. We are glad. Now we don't know the details here that the psalmist is writing about. But many scholars assume that the psalmist is thinking back on a time in Israel's history when things were lousy, but God came through. He showed up anyway, and God restored their fortunes. Now, when you hear that word fortunes, don't just think about your bank account, right? Think about their entire collective well-being. God made it right. It was like a dream. They laughed, They shouted with joy. Even the nations surrounding them said, God must have done this for them. And yes, the psalmist is going to ask God to do it again. But please don't miss this. The first three verses, half of this psalm, look back before they even begin to look ahead. Which leads to the first thing I want us to take with us today. Hope begins with the path behind, not with the path ahead. The path behind, not the path ahead, which, which I'm convinced is one of the reasons why I'm such a mess lately, because I'm, I'm, I'm obsessed with the path ahead. I am a planner, and I don't know how to plan right now. And when I can't control the future, I try really hard to predict the future. And when that also fails, it's so easy for any of us to turn to distraction, self-medication, or to just jump on a mountain bike and bike right off the cliffs of despair, right? And one of the, one of the things I feel uniquely just even as a, as a pastor, right? It's so, it's so easy for me to get frustrated. We can't meet on Sundays. And, and you know, in the dark places, I think to myself, well, I guess, I guess church is ruined, right? The kingdom of God breaking in. It's over, I suppose. And in very self-centered ways, I even think, you know everything that I've given the last fifteen years of my life to. And in those those dark moments, it's almost like I hear God laughing. I mean, it's gentle, but still. And it's almost like He whispers to me in those those dark moments, like Nathan. You know, this has been going on for two thousand years, right? And you know that I've I've led the church through all kinds of things. And then I begin to remember the the Christians in the Colosseum and and the persecution that happened in the the early centuries. Or even think more recently, and I, I imagine Christians in England gathered during World War II during the air raid sirens. Or in the civil rights movement, the historic black church continuing to meet and to gather even under threat of bombings. Or today, in places like China, the underground church, or in jail cells alone, in places like Iran, Christians continuing to worship. And it's almost like in those moments, in in the remembrance of things past, God whispers to me and says, Nathan, I've got this. It's gonna be okay. Because God's faithfulness in the past is the best predictor of his faithfulness in the future. Friends, when you feel lost, you're out on a trail, out on a drive, you feel lost, what should you do? Well, retrace your steps. You go back to a place you do recognize to sort of regain your bearings. And this this is what the psalmist is doing here. He's mentally retracing his steps to a place he does recognize when they, as a people, saw God come through. So let me ask are you remembering or are you controlling? Yes, we should plan ahead. But don't forget, hope begins with the path behind, not the path ahead. Not on what might happen to us, but on what God has already done for us. Now, one of the tricky things here is that we, we need each other to remember, don't we? Did, did you notice the words just above verse 1 in your Bible? It says, a song of ascent. Scholars, you see, believe that these songs were, were likely sung by families and friends on the way up to Jerusalem, ascending to Jerusalem, uh, on the way towards the temple to the place of corporate worship and celebration together, that these psalms were sort of like their playlist for the pilgrimage. And I, I love that imagery because in some ways, I sort of feel like we're on that same slow pilgrimage back to a place of corporate worship together. Back to an embodied reality in community, in worship. And and hopefully these online services have been helpful, but we know they're they're not the same. And eventually we will get there. We will arrive back at an in-person reality, right, at the campuses that we we know and love. And and yet we're excited that next week we're going to Join this path more intimately with the pastor, staff, and congregation that you, that you know best with your campus. And so next Sunday, when you, when you go online, you'll be able to select the campus you would normally attend. And if you're new, we'd encourage you to pick one and, and join right in with us. We hope this will provide a, an intimacy and familiarity that many of us miss because remembering is a communal activity. And we tell and retell the best stories with the people that we know and love. And hope begins the path behind, not the path ahead. Okay, go back, go back to the psalm. Because it's only after, after this history lesson that we finally see the request in verse 4. It's just one verse. And so the psalmist is saying, just as you did in the past, Restore our fortunes, O Lord, like streams in the negeb. Restore. That's what this, this series has been about, right? We've, we've called it Restore. God, restore, make it right. My job, my graduation, that relationship, my finances, my disappointment, my joy, my health. Like whatever it is, God, would you, would you restore? Like streams in the negeb. You see, the Negev is the desert area in the south of Israel. And so it's like the psalmist here is saying, God, right now my life feels like a desert. Would you make it rain? Would you fill the parched creek beds of my soul with your waters of life? Would you restore my hope? Which leads to the second thing that we see here. Hope works like rain in the desert. Like rain in the desert, which is a beautiful image, but it's also kind of infuriating because only God can make it rain. And I know some of you right now are, are picturing money you know, falling from the sky. Stop it, okay? I'm talking literal rain here. And rain? I mean, you can't control it. We can't even hardly predict it. I mean, we, we can almost put someone on Mars. We can understand the intricacies of DNA. You can make food arrive at your house by tapping on the silicone you keep in your pocket. But only God can make it rain. And yet we ask everyone around us to do it for us. Don't we? To restore our hope? We ask them to. We ask, we ask our politicians and our business leaders our medical professionals. And yes, we we pray for them. We expect God to use them. But only a fool would ask them to make it rain. We ask our colleagues, our friends, our family members. We even ask ourselves to, to somehow muster up enough hope on our own. But we can't do it. If you want hope, you have to do what the psalmist does. You have to ask God to do it for you. To make it rain. Because in the desert, you die without rain. And in a world as broken as ours, we die without hope. And so let me ask, are you asking or are you chasing? Asking or chasing? Because I think I do a lot of chasing right now, searching for any, any hint of good news, right? Or, or looking for that next place to distract myself. But are we asking? In fact, last week, right, as a, as a church, we set aside a day of, of prayer and fasting together as a, as a body to cry out to God, to ask him, God, would you restore us? And, and we are, are waiting for this season to pass and the rains to finally come. When they do, this this past Thanksgiving, our family we went uh, to the desert for Thanksgiving, and you you heard that right. Uh, we actually chose the desert over family. Um, so half of you right now think I'm a horrible person. The other half are like, you can do that, and you're going to spend the rest of this time planning that trip, right? Um, but we, we, went, and we went to a place we'd been before, uh, Moab, Utah. And we'd been there in, in the hot and dry summer season. But this time it was cold and it was wet. And it was absolutely beautiful. In fact, we spent, we spent time hiking in the snow, in the desert, like four inches of snow. It was, it was unbelievable. And there was this one particular hike. It was one of my favorite hikes of the entire time. It was a, it was a beautiful, well... That's probably the wrong word. It, it, was a, it was a great hike. It was a beautiful hike, but the day was terrible. I mean, it, it rained and hailed on us, which would have probably set most people back, but I was, I mean, honestly, I was having the time of my life. Okay, and so there's this one spot on the path where the trail before us literally turned into a stream before our eyes, like a gushing stream. What had been sand and rocks all of a sudden was, was a, a river, before us, and we had to hop from rock to rock to make to make our, our way up. In fact, this was this was the same hike where uh, when we got home, I was flipping through some of our pictures, and I, I came across uh, this one here. And I, my first thought was, why did Kelly take a picture of that random old guy? He's hideous. Uh, and then I uh, I looked more closely um, and realized that it's uh, it's me uh, that I'm that caveman, and that's that's pre-COVID people. So. Uh, it, it, does, it does happen. That's not the point. The point is like when it rains in the desert, everything changes. In fact, the entire landscape around us changed before our very eyes. Like there were, there were waterfalls everywhere pouring off every cliff all around us. It was unbelievable beauty. And it's not just the beauty that the psalmist is speaking of here. It is the life that follows after it because now there's a place where, where flowers can bloom, where crops can grow, where hope can be realized in a place that's so harsh you didn't even know it was possible. And church, this this is what we're asking God to do for us, to make it rain. Okay, so we looked at the past, right? Hope begins with the path behind, not the path ahead. And so we remember. We we, we looked at the present. Hope works like rain in the desert. And so we ask God to do it. It's only now that we look to the future. Look at verse, verse five. The psalmist writes, Those who sow in tears shall reap with shouts of joy. He who goes out weeping, bearing the seed for sowing, shall come home with shouts of joy, bringing his sheaves with him. It's an incredible picture, isn't it? Because, you know, gardening, I think, is it's sort of the rage right now. Um, and I've got some seeds here. So, seeds, you know, I'm, I'm a nature nerd, that's just part of who I am. Uh, Seeds are pretty remarkable if you think about it because on, on the one hand, they're, they're nothing, right? They're just, they're nothing. They're just trash. They're garbage. They're lifeless. They're powerless. They're worthless. But given the right conditions, there is life inside these. I mean, you, could, you can grow a tree with these, something that, that will outlast all of us, right? That, that you, can, you can grow food with them. You can grow flowers, right? Something of, of incredible beauty from, from just a little seed. And what the psalmist is saying here is that our tears, when given to God, are like seeds. And he's not minimizing our pain because these are his tears as well, right? But these seeds of heartache, disappointment, grief, when brought to God, can grow into joy. This can become this. In the hands of our God and our God, wants to plant your tears in his garden. And in his garden, our, our grief can become joy. Our heartache can become laughter. Our pain can become delight. And so here's the, the third thing. Friends, I hope you take this with you. Hope grows best in a field of tears. Hope grows best in a field of tears. I know mean, that's, that's hard for me to say. It's probably hard for some of us to hear. And yet there is a harvest coming for you. And I realize that for some of you, you've planted a lot of tears. And I, I'm not just talking about in the last couple of months. I'm talking maybe for, for a lifetime, maybe for years, maybe for decades, you've planted so many tears and it is so hard to wait. And you hear these promises of God. But hear them again every one of your tears will be accounted for. Every one of them, if if given to God, will reap a harvest of joy. Which means, if you think about it, the, the best weepers now will be the best laughers then. So let me ask one last question. Are you planting or are you despairing? Planting or despairing, give your tears to God and expect Him to do it. You know, one of the things that's so amazing to me about the Psalms, and I think we forget this often, but like Jesus would have sung these songs. And next week, we'll be back in the gospel of Luke, looking together at at the parables. But like, think about that for a moment. Like Jesus, as a child, most likely, as a teenager, on his journey with his family and friends, headed to Jerusalem, headed to the temple, headed to the place of corporate worship, Jesus would sing this song. You know, Isaiah refers to Jesus as the man of sorrows. And so I imagine him knowing what he came to do on that road, already planting his tears. yet we know more of the story, don't we? It's not just tears that Jesus would plant. He would plant with his own blood as he hung on a cross for you and for me. And he himself would become the ultimate seed, planted in the ground, dead and buried, for you and for me. But church, the ground could not hold him. He burst forth like the mightiest of trees, victorious over everything so that promises like these could be kept to all who trust in him. Dear friends, there is a harvest coming. Would you pray with me? Father, we need your harvest. And so together, we remember your past faithfulness. Help us remember. And we ask you to do it again. Restore our hope. And in the meantime, let us plant Every tear. And trust you for the harvest. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Well, today we get just a taste of this harvest as we break bread together. If you're a follower of Jesus, have communion elements available and would like to participate with us, now would be a great time for you to do so. If you need additional time, you can feel free to pause as well to do that. But hear these words. Jesus planted his blood, he planted his body so that there would be a harvest for you. Whenever you're ready, take and eat.